podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 241, Aviation Communication, coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to the show about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. You know, you may be a new student pilot thrust into an unknown world when you first key the mic, or an experienced pilot with thousands of hours. We all can learn something about aviation communication. So today, the crew is back, and we're going to kind of discuss what we can learn about aviation communication from both a beginner standpoint and also the advanced pilot. Uh, We do discuss some of the challenges we've had during our process, which we're going to share with you. You'd be amazed at uh, some of us who are kind of mic fright at first and uh, how we've overcome those challenges. But first, uh, announcement from uh, Larry. Take it away, Larry. Do you want to pursue a career in aviation as a pilot, air traffic controller, mechanic, or dispatcher? Or do you just want to earn that commercial or instrument rating, but you need help paying for it? The Aerospace Scholarships Guide at AviationCareersPodcast.com has over $50 million in available scholarships. Many of these go unused because people don't apply for them. For just $10, you'll receive a full-year subscription to the guide, which is updated monthly. Every scholarship is personally verified to make sure it's accurate and still available. More information is at AviationCareersPodcast.com. Well, thanks, Larry. And uh, that uh, the scholarships guide has been updated every month. This month, we have 64 new scholarships, six uh, updates, and scholarships for adults category. You can go check that out. Don't forget to use the coupon code PAYITFORWARD. Some people have actually paid it forward, and there's some free uh, free scholarships out there for you. It's a whole year. You can get a whole year guide if you use that coupon. Um, also, don't forget news and announcements. We do have the YouTube channel that we've been updating. The latest one that's beginning a lot of hits and a lot of interest is... The new video we put out there, Can I Fly with a DUI? It was very helpful. We had an aviation attorney on that explained that. Uh, so go check that out on our YouTube channel. Well, let's move on to the show into cruise flight. Now entering cruise flight. Well, joining us today on the podcast, like I said, is the regular crew here. We have uh, from, and I can see on the, we were talking about maps online today. Up in northern Florida is Tom. Uh, Tom, hey, how's it going, man? Good to hear from you. Hey, Carl. How's it going? Another beautiful day in paradise and uh, looking forward to the show. Glad to, glad to hear you guys. Yeah, it's been awesome. That We really did have a, a wonderful day once all this rain moved out. Speaking of rain, uh, South Florida got a little bit of it this morning and uh, moving down to South Florida. And someone actually I actually visited today with, as a matter of fact, I got to put some pictures up, uh, is Bill English. Hey, Bill, how's it going, man? Very good. Very good. Good to be back. And, and uh Back down here at the Lazy Eight Avocado Ranch in uh, in Florida. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, we had a blast today talking about all sorts of things, communications, drones, wandering around the airports. We actually hit two airports today, both Venice and Punta Gorda. Both very different, aren't they, Bill? Yeah, exactly. Just, uh, what, 30 minutes apart and uh, a couple of different uh, uh, different spots for sure. Yeah, whole, whole different world. Uh, one very small GA aircraft uh, or a very small GA airport. And the other one, a large airport that takes in airliners, took a picture of one while we were there as an Allegiant airline. But funny thing is, Bill, you know, when we were down there, we found out that one run or two runways were closed and they just had, I think it's what, uh, 2,400 foot runway was the only one open. I think that was correct. Right. Yeah. That's all I had. They, they call this the no fly Tuesday. No Maybe fly Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, joining us from out West is Sean Moody. Hey, Sean. Good to hear from you, man. Hey, good evening. Glad to be with you guys. Um, I'm jealous of this. What is this avocado ranch, Bill? I, I want to be there. That sounds delicious. Oh, yeah, come on down. Oh, so it's like uh, Carl was saying, it's beautiful down here. 
<laughs> Sounds good. Good to hear you guys. Yes, we had a blast sitting on the water and hanging out uh, afterwards after our aviation adventures and just had a wonderful time talking about airplanes with uh, Matt Len, who's uh, actually our production coordinator and the person that brings us a lot of these interviews we've uh, had and is also in charge of the air show portion of the Florida International Air Show down there in Punta Gorda. That was canceled this year, but we're looking towards a really cool show in the future. Well, anyway, today we're going to talk a little bit about communications, a bit of a roundtable discussion here. And one of the things that I've noticed is the fact that a lot of us don't realize how important communications is and also what we can do to be better communicators in the aviation space, in the aviation world. Some of us are great communicators in many other arenas, but uh, we get to the aviation world and we you know, click that mic and say, oh my gosh, I'm brain dead, because it's another language. It's like a whole another language out there. Uh, but first, I think really it's important for us to understand why the communications, aviation communications is important. And uh, again, one of the things that's really, really important is the fact that we need to have communication both one, both directions. You know, that there's a message sent and there's a message received, and we need to understand what we need to do as far as clearances are concerned and keeping us safe. Communications is one of the things that we do in aviation that enables us to be safer in the aircraft due to the fact that we can determine many different things, uh, separation from other aircraft, warnings as far as, uh, you know, collisions, et cetera. And it also enables us to find out what the weather is and all different things that are involved in, in aviation. So um, that's one of the, those are coming, some of the key points, but gosh, you know, when we do talk about communication, we have some challenges, and I know all of us here have had challenges. I think everybody on right now is a flight instructor, and one of the things that we find as flight instructors is this can be the more challenging portion of of their flying careers and learning how to fly, but uh, also talking at the same time. Uh, so one of the things I'd like to discuss is, in your opinion, I, Tom, and, and I'd like to start with you as far as, in your opinion, in the communication space, I know that I've said this already. First of all, you know, why is this communication uh, you feel so important? And and with that, what do you feel is the biggest challenge that you found with the, either yourself or your students? Yeah, so um, it, it's a great topic. And, you know, the, the I think the biggest challenge that I had um, was early on was just, like you said, it's, it's, it's a completely different language. It's all of a sudden, all this phraseology is coming at you and it's coming at you fast while you're trying to operate an airplane, while you've got an instructor barking in your ear and while, you know, um, you're, you're trying to soak all this stuff in and it, and it's very overwhelming at first. Um, and you know, I'm hoping tonight we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the things that you can do early on to overcome those things and some of the things that you can do to stay sharp as, um, as you go through time. Um, you know, we all go through lulls where we, um, don't get a lot of airtime, you know, um, a lot of us are doing that these days. And, uh, you know, I haven't, uh, I've only been in an airplane just a few times over the past month. And, um, you know, um, luckily enough, uh, the first time I keyed the mic, I was, I was actually able to talk to a controller. I was kind of worried about that because, um, early on, like I said, I had issues with it. So, and it, it's just so important. There's so much going on. And, um, the idea that, you are communicating with a controller who's ultimately trying to keep you safe and then you being able to respond and act accordingly to what the controller wants. Um, it, it's all important stuff. So you need to understand and you also need to, to um, um, speak and, and get your point across and also in short order. So in short order, I like that. And that kind of segues into the next thing I want to talk about is the fact in communications, a lot of times less is more, especially in aviation communications. Uh, a lot of times we wind up when we start out flying, a lot of times we kind of, you know, go into this whole sentence structure that we're used to when we're communicating with our friends or families. And that's what we've learned all of our lives. But in aviation, we want to kind of shorten those, those conversations. And, you know, just a simple sentence saying that I'm inbound landing with alpha. Uh, that's a very short conversation, say with the air traffic control, or you say Tampa tower, you know, system one, two, three, four, five, 
inbound from the north 10 miles with information alpha landing and that's all you need to say it's kind of it's a little different than saying you know hey i'm over here over the you know the you know that big white building to the north and i'm coming inbound oh yeah by the way i've got alpha and you just kind of you don't want to go out there and and just put all that information out there less is definitely more make it concise uh make get your point across and that's kind of the hardest thing i had at first uh is to do that but also and we'll talk a little bit about this later, is, uh, yeah, I get it. When we hit that microphone, the push button, we're, we're scared. And it doesn't matter, I found, if you're at a field that doesn't have a tower or has a tower, we're, we're going to be a little bit scared, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, Bill, I know you've done some work in the past, air traffic control, et cetera. And on the one side, you're also on the other side of the microphone, too, and, and talking to air traffic controllers. And it was Going to try to get your opinion on, you know, the the fact, first of all, we talked about the challenges, maybe, you know, share one you had, and also your feelings about what I just said as far as less is more. Do you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of uh, students and, and people who are new to work in the radio, um, they hear that on on the radio as well, all this flood of information. And, um, you know, as you're saying, concise and get to the point. Um, one one thing I would sometimes see with people is they maybe they don't know everything they need to say, and they try to you know oh, wow it's really busy out there you know I don't want this controller to be mad at me, and then they just start talking faster. And in fact, once you know you understand that there are a couple of things you have to say, you know you said some standard phraseology there uh, as an example, you actually can slow down. Think about what you want before you key the mic. And then you're saying those couple of things in the proper phraseology, and you know you can speak more slowly and actually take less time rather than you know trying to spit out your life story and talk really fast. And then it's hard to understand because radios, as as we know, our technology has increased greatly, but basically we're still yelling into AM radios on, on airplanes. So um, I absolutely agree, you know, less is more. And that's why the phraseology is what it is. It gives a lot of information in few words. I That's a great point, Bill. I'm glad you brought that up because it, you truly are bringing across the same information in a shorter sentence in concise, like you said, and that is so incredibly important. We're going to talk a little bit about how you can do that. Just wondering, Bill, do you, do you remember when you started talking? I know you have a background in speaking on the radio. When you started flying, was there a difference when you started to key the mic in the airplane? I think so. It was so long ago. It's hard to remember. And as some of you guys know, the very first thing that I did professionally in an airplane was I worked as a traffic reporter. So I was constantly on the radio. So I, it's kind of hard. I have to go way back in the memory banks to remember what it was like. But it definitely was like a new language, learning the different terms, the words and the phrases and what it was I was trying to get across was was still different and, and i think learning a new language is an excellent way to put that and it is a foreign language that's for sure <laughs> you know some of us that are involved in broadcast uh, television etc and radio you would think that right away they would pick up this new language it was interesting when i was at the airport in peter O'Night airport i used to teach out of and i heard this guy on the radio and i was like gosh this guy's voice sounds so good and but he wasn't quite getting the terms correct etc I pulled him aside and I said, you know, I said, you're really good at communicating on the radio. I, you just have to clean up some of the, the, the phraseology, et cetera. Uh, have you ever had experience? He says, yeah, my name's Jack Harris, and I actually do a lot of the sports commentating here in the Tampa Bay area. I said, wow. I said, you know, this, I said, as, I asked him, are you having any challenges since you, that's all you've done all your life? He goes, oh, yeah, this is a whole nother world. And he said that it's like another another language. And Sean Moody is one person that has done a lot of broadcast media. And I, I would love to hear you because you have a ton of experience in broadcast speaking, you know, on, on television, et cetera. You, did you have challenges uh, and try to relate that to some of the people that might be starting now saying, gosh, you know, all these guys have backgrounds in radio and TV. They, you know, I, gosh, I, I couldn't do it as good as they can. 
Yeah, no, I mean, uh, so I started flying before I ever even got into broadcasting. And it's it's funny, it's it all kind of, I think each helped the other. You know, when I got into to TV stuff, I think I found that, you know, knowing how to talk on the radio helped that. And then that helped reinforce the radio talk. Um, but I think some of the biggest issues that I ever had was, you know, not so much, you know, talking too fast or, or you know, not being clear enough on the radio. It was remembering the order of everything that that I needed to say and in some cases how much information to give and in other cases you're just calling to make contact and then establish the conversation from there um you know I, I think anyone who's who's got you know mic fright issues or uh is still trying to figure out exactly how a conversation with ATC should go could really just work on practicing it, whether it's, you know, call up your instructor on the cell phone and practice back and forth. I know there's software you can practice with, um, even just open up a, a flight simulator on your phone, fly around and practice doing, you know, traffic pattern radio calls as you, as you fly around on your phone. Um, but I found that having the experience um, kind of in, in both realms in the broadcasting realm and the aviation realm really kind of helped me out um, reinforcing each sort of environment. But two totally different environments. Yeah, for sure. But the, the, the thing is, I guess, that communication is key in both. You know, when you go through the Aviation Instructor's Handbook, you learn all about how the the idea that, that the speaker is transmitting has to match up with the idea that the receiver puts in his or her head. Um, so it's the same thing whether you're trying to tell an audience about a news story or you're trying to tell the tower where you are when you make initial contact. Um, in both cases, you know, conveying an, a message that matches in the receiver's mind with the transmitter's mind is key. And that is truly communication right there, as you described it. So thanks for that description. You know, one of the things you mentioned is certain things that we can do to learn. And I know, Tom, you have a lot of experience with different learning resources that we have out there uh, in the aviation space as far as learning the phraseology and practicing. What, what are some of your suggestions as far as those resources? So yeah, initially what I first started doing was um, – looking for ways to um, get in touch with that new language that I was trying to learn. And basically what I did was this, is like um, my instructor, he pointed me right away to the um, to aeronautical information manual. We know it is the AIM. Um, chapter four, section two deals with radio communications, phraseology and techniques. Um, and, and that's what um, the FAA wants you to do. It's their suggestion on how we should communicate um, from controllers to pilots and pilots to controllers. Um, one of the very first things that it mentions in the beginning of that, in the general section of, of that, it recommends that we go read the pilot controller glossary, which is just a wonderful document of, it's 124 pages of definitions. It's all acronyms and phrases and, and, and what they mean. Um, it suggests that you study it and that you refer back to it occasionally to um, keep yourself sharp and, and keep your communication skills sharp. The very first time I saw it was completely overwhelmed. I, even when I was looking at definitions, I'd still, it was going right over the top of my head. I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. So what I started to do is try to figure out how I could learn this better. And really the only way for me to learn at the time was to listen. So I went to, um, well, at the time was Radio Shack, um, bought a cheap scanner that was capable of receiving um, uh, airplane frequencies. And I would go sit by airports and I would listen to communications from towers. I would listen to ground control. I would listen to the tower. I would try to put myself in a position here in the, when I, when I was in the Tampa Bay area, um, it was easy to, uh, put myself like close to the bay and I could actually pick up Tampa approach. Um, occasionally I could pick up, um, Miami center and, and, and I would just listen. I would listen to the, the, the banter between controllers and pilots and try to figure out what they were doing. And eventually I actually started like flying airplanes. Like, you know, I would hear somebody call and say, Hey, I'm 15 miles Southwest inbound to land. And they would say what they were, you know, and all of a sudden I'm looking for a bonanza and oh, there he is, you know, and I could start picking them up. Um, and as time went on, I got better and better at learning how to do that, um, how to, how to listen to 
um, the controllers. And a lot of times what I would try to do is try to answer before the pilot would. If, if a controller would give a, um, a direction, I would immediately say the answer, you know, before the pilot did and then see how I did. I would, I would eventually hear it on the radio. So just little practice things like that. Just having the information for me wasn't good enough because like I said, it was overwhelming and there was just too much there and I, I couldn't understand it. So having to pare it down and actually hear it and, and practice with it more got me better at doing that, you know, and, and I too, I come from a background where at the time I had a career and I was doing public speaking and I was talking to a lot of people. And, you know, when you're, when you're talking about a subject that you know about, it's real easy to, to keep my jaws flapping, if you will, if, uh, you know, but, um, man, I, when I got on that airplane, there was a reason they call it an, it, uh, an idiot button, because I mean, the second I pressed it, I turned into an idiot. I would be like, and, you know, I needed to get past that. And that's how I did it. So you use this new resource, your radio, to figure out, you know, to try to get over that by practicing, which is cool. And there's so many new things out there. And I think the one thing that a lot of people bring up is Live ATC, which is an awesome, awesome resource. One thing I always try to do is tell people to do exactly what you did. You know, get an inexpensive radio, maybe a backup radio you might keep in your airplane, a, a comm, and listen to air traffic control and hang out with your friends and just discuss what that person has said and what we can learn from what they said and how we feel we might be able to say that better. And not only that, the great thing is you can go back using live ATC to kind of replay some of those sessions. One thing I do like about the radio, and I will say I love live ATC, but the great thing of having a handheld radio like you did, Tom, is you can go out there and you can quickly change frequencies. I find I have an easier time following like a, a I listen on the on the clearance and then I switch over to ground with that same I follow an airplane like you did and go to ground, go to tower, go uh, off to uh, center or uh, approach or departure, et cetera, and try to follow them as long as I can. And I think that's a huge, huge help. It's a, you know, a low-tech solution, uh, but it's a, I still think it's, it's really it's applicable, I think, to uh, learning as far as just bringing a radio out there. That's for sure. Um, and I, I really think that one of the things we started to do is go towards some of these other uh, learning re- resources that we have out there. So just one that I'd, I'd like to put out there is, and our friends over at Flight Sim Expo, I really give a shout out to them uh, for, and I know they've canceled this year, but for next year, they're going to have another. They have so many incredible resources and just one learning resource is just like VATSIM. Uh, is one great resource, and that's an online simulation where you can talk to air traffic controllers. Has I now I have never used VATSIM. Uh, I've been meaning to get on there and check it out, but it's basically vir- virtual air traffic control simulation. It can uh, tie into your, you know, using VOIP voice over internet protocol like we are. Uh, has anybody here, uh, I forgot to ask you guys, have you guys ever used VATSIM or, or one of those online type of uh, systems? This is Tom. No, I, I have, and and um, the one that that I used was uh, uh, Pilot Edge, and and basically the same thing. It's a it's a uh, it's a paid for um, uh, app or website that you can go to, and you literally talk to um, air traffic controllers, and it hooks directly into your simulator. So you can hook up a simulator at home. And then this will tie directly into the simulator. So you can put in a flight plan. You can fly VFR, IFR. And um, if you're flying, simu- if you're simulating flying in a, in a specific area that is connected with um, Pilot Edge's website, you will get a controller and, and he will get fly you through this thing and you will communicate with him as you uh, do your flight. So, yeah, it's, it's good practice. Hey, Tom, th- this is Bill. On those sims, if you I, and I've not used them I, nine years, I wore an FAA badge. I don't really do that. Um, do other pilots or controllers that are on there help out new people? You know, if their phraseology is is messed up or anything like that, they kind of coach them along. How does that work? Yep, they absolutely do. Because there's 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 ways to pause through and and you know they'll there's um I believe there's like chat um capabilities where they can go. Yeah, that's not going to work. Or, or they'll they'll prompt you to re-say something again if it's incorrect. Um, you know, the the system is not 
it's not a hundred percent perfect, but it, it really works good. And it was really good. I, I used it for training, you know, with, with students and I used it a little bit on my own as well. The, the only problem with it is it's a paid for site. So you, you know, you either pay monthly or, or yearly, you know, I did uh, a monthly subscription one time and it was all I really needed because it got me over that edge, if you will, um, of, of trying to get to a place where I was getting better with my communications in aviation. There's and even um, another one that I've used that's even sort of lower tech and, and an on-the-go version is uh, the, the iPhone Flight Simulator Infinite Flight. I don't know if it's on Android as well, but if you if you pay for the, I think it's five bucks a month uh, version where you can sort of fly in real time with other people on there, it's not um, uh, the kind like you're talking about where you can actually talk into it, but it does have sort of pre-selected, you tell it, you know, I'm at this location on the airport, I want to taxi to this runway, and it kind of walks you through getting the clearance, same thing in the air, um, you know, I am uh, here, I would like to land at X airport, and it'll kind of walk you through a pretty realistic sounding simulation of ATC. So even if you're, you know, out waiting in line to do something, you can open that up and, and get a little bit of practice in that way too, just here and there. You know, as far as software is concerned, another one, Redbird, has that, they call it Parrot, I think is the name of it. I'm pretty darn sure. Uh, and it's a, it's a, I think it's a voice simulation that goes through. So that's another thing that can use is it's on that TD um, simulator that they have at Redbird. Everybody's coming out with it. Another one is, uh, you mentioned, Sean, on the iPhone. I think it's iPhone and Android. Uh, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but it's called Plain English is another app. I mean, there's, there's tons of apps out there, and I'd love to hear from the listeners, too. If you have a suggestion, go to the contact page. As a matter of fact, we had someone reach out to us, and that'll be uh, coming up in the future. Uh, we're actually going to be doing a giveaway for, so listen to future episodes, a giveaway for a software app that's fairly new, helps people learn English and learn the you know, actually air traffic control. And we're going to have that coming up uh, here with an, it's, uh, it's going to be a coupon code. You can go out there and actually use it. It's really, really cool. Not going to, I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. Cause we we're waiting for the review. I have Matt Len who's going to be reviewing that one, but again, there's so much more that's being placed out there. And what these people are doing, the people I'm mentioning that I haven't mentioned the name of is they're helping people that, you know, English kind of is a second language also. And I think that's incredibly important because I know many of us have noticed there's people from all over the world that come here to learn how to fly because, you know, first of all, there's such freedoms here to fly, but also it's it's very inexpensive comparatively to wherever they're coming from. So plain English, VATSIM, you know, Redbird, uh, all the different ones that we talked about, we'll have those uh, in those links in the, the show notes. Really cool stuff. I mean, I, I am so darn excited about this. I don't know if you guys remember and I and and again, correct me if I'm wrong, that COM1 software and the COM1, that was really cool years ago to simulate air traffic control and communications. So the more you can do, the better. Uh, get with your instructor and just go out there and just kind of kind of go and, and you know do, do a flight with somebody and practice. Uh, practice at home. I mean, just like we're talking about here with doing all this. And Tom, I think, is it, were there's the ones that you were thinking of? I know we were talking offline as far as the different ways that you can practice at home. Did we cover all those? Yeah, it, I'm, I'm pretty sure we did. You know, I mean, it, the um, section of the uh, of the aim that I spoke of has different examples for different phases of flight and um, examples of communications. And I was actually taking those sometimes in chair flying. So, um, you know, I would sit there and, you know, my, my flight instructor at the time when I was working on my private had me doing all sorts of flight plans all the time and stuff. So I would just go all the way through with it. I would create the flight plan and then I would, you know, just pretend I would chair fly I would chair fly my maneuvers. I would chair fly getting in a plane and just go through the flows of starting up an airplane. I could do all that just sitting at home and in my mind. And I would practice with the communications uh, during that period as well. You know, just using those phrases, asking for a clearance, asking for um, a, a taxi clearance, asking for a takeoff clearance, you know, um, asking for permission to come back into an airspace and land and, and things like that. So that helped immensely as well. You know, Tom, and I'd like to hear from everybody else as far as the communications. One thing we really haven't talked about, and I think is incredibly important as far as practicing, is is emergencies. We do emergencies in the airplane, but emergency communications is incredibly important. And by emergencies, I mean there's many different types of emergencies. So how do how do we actually present that to the air traffic controller that we have an emergency? Sometimes you don't really have to communicate that. 
you have an emergency in that you say to the air traffic controller, hey, my right engine just fell off the airplane and I need to land right now. Um, you, you should tell them it's an emergency, but they will make that an emergency for you. So what, uh, what is a, you know, there's some better ways to saying that, you know, we've had a failure in our right engine, we're landing, we're declaring an emergency, so many people on board. Uh, but that's something I think that's incredibly important because I know that, it, you know, I, I was drilled with that as a, when I was a young instructor and also obviously at the airlines, we have to use certain phraseology as far as emergencies are concerned. Um, but Tom, I'll start with you. Do you actually, do you go over those emergency, uh, communications? Cause I think that's a very key item when we do practice. Sure. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when I'm out teaching and, and, um, we first get into emergency procedures, you know, um, of course, you know, my instructor, one of his favorite things to, you know, was to do is like, I'd roll out of, uh, he'd have me doing steep turns or something like that. And, you know, all of a sudden he'd go, oh, these darn single engines, they fail all the time. And he'd yank my throttle out. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like now I'm in an emergency situation and had to go through my ABCDE, you know, um, airspeed, best place to land, checklist, declare, and execute. So the, the declare part of that was learning how to, you know, get on the mic, mayday, mayday, mayday. I've lost an engine. Uh, I need to put land off field and here's where I am. And and that's what he stressed all the time about that emergency thing was constantly being in that situational awareness so that at any given moment, I could tell somebody in just a few words where I am, you know, and, and that was the biggest part of uh, the emergency aspect of it, you know, so that was the beginnings of emergency communication. It, it, it gets more complicated when you start flying jets, obviously, you know, cause there's more things that can go wrong and there's more things that you may need to, um, present to a controller, but, um, it was instilled in me early on. So I tried to do that with my students as well. And there's a lot of scenarios where you hear this on the radio, as far as emergencies are concerned. And, um, sometimes you have, you're kind of cringing, like, Hey, declare an emergency, you know, don't just mess around. You're like, Hey, uh, you need help. So declare that emergency and get moving forward. That's for sure. And I know Bill, you have a lot of experience as far as uh, air traffic control. I'm assuming that you have worked an emergency before. And, uh, what has your experience been with that? Uh, yeah, true. And as you know, Tom mentioned for teaching students with that as well. Uh, the we all know aviate, navigate, communicate. Of course, get the airplane under control first, um, and then a controller in an emergency situation. A couple things are are going to happen with this communication. First off, he's not expecting whatever it is you're going to tell him because emergencies don't happen that often. So. Being very clear, very direct of exactly what happened and what you want. You can't read your mind. And really, if you think about it, a controller can't do a whole heck of a lot for you that you can't do yourself, except you're really busy right now dealing with this emergency. You need an airport. You need a vector to clear weather, whatever it is. So let them know very clearly what it is you need. My engine failed. I need the nearest airport. They already pretty much knows you know, what size airport you might need if you've been getting flight following of your IFR, knows what type of airport or aircraft you are, but they're at least able to point you at a flat spot. I need an airport. My engine failed. Being very uh, coy about it is not going to help because you may be talking to a controller who's not a pilot, doesn't understand the significance of low oil pressure. You tell them, my engine's dying. I need a place to land, or I'm stuck on top of the clouds. I'm not instrument rated. I need a vector to clear your weather. And then and they'll they'll jump right on that and give you all the help in the world, but they can't read your mind, so you have to be very clear and get that that across. Communicate. And that's important. I love how you said Pretty that. Much. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they they can't read your mind, so yeah. uh, great point. You know, one of the things that I think too that we look at is um, during these emergency situations, uh, you know, we if we don't practice, we wind up uh, just doing whatever comes to mind. But when we do practice, we usually spit out whatever we learn from that practice. And I think that's really, really important in this case. You know, one thing that I found, you know, we talk about Mike Fright. And so I'm going to, I'm going to be quite honest here. I, I had a real problem speaking. I had a, a speech impediment when I was younger and, you know, I had to go and, and do a lot of counseling to be able to overcome it. Almost didn't make it out of high school because I couldn't speak well. And uh, one of the things I could not do was 
was speak in front of people or in a microphone, etc. Obviously, I got over that. Um, but one of the things that I found when I was going through that process is people would say, speak about something you know. And that's what I did. And I worked on automobiles, so I started talking about automobiles. So one thing I tried doing with my students is just something overcoming Mike Fright, something just out of the box I thought was kind of cool. And I'd like to hear everybody else's opinions on what they've done to overcome uh, Mike Fright, as they say. Um, I would ask them, I'd say, hey, you know, just start clicking the key in the mic and, and we wouldn't be actually in the air and just, you know, telling me what it is that you do for a living, uh, but do it, you know, in, in a sentence and then give me another sentence and make it really concise and just keep going on and on. And so I got them in that mode of pushing the microphone and talking into the microphone and me responding to nothing air traffic control related. Just one of the out-of-the-box ways that I tried to deal with some students. I found it worked with some people, not everybody, but it, it, I thought it worked fairly well. So um, other than that kind of scenario, and I know that's kind of different, and I, I'm going to get some feedback, I'm sure, about that. Um, you know, I was wondering... You know, Sean, if what kind of things that do you do to help people overcome Mike Fright? I think the the biggest thing is just rehearsing those conversations off air. Um, you know, knowing what ATC expects to hear from you, and and what you expect to hear back from them um, will we'll take the mystery out of it. Once you're you know sort of rehearsed it enough, and and you know. Uh, what they need from you and what you need to get from them, I think a lot of that fear goes away. Um, I think a lot of fear is just the apprehension of I'm going to say something wrong and someone's going to get angry at me or I'm going to misunderstand and then I'm going to end up with a runway incursion or something. And and once people get familiar enough, um, enough of that sort of exercise in doing it, I think that really goes away. And, and a lot of that exercise can be done uh, in the ways you've talked about, whether it's the virtual ATC or whether it's you know, just sitting in the simulator um, with your instructor and the instructors acting as ATC, and you really start getting the rhythm of that conversation down. Once you're familiar enough with it, um, I, I think a lot of that fear goes away. Now, there are obviously some issues like you were talking about, Carl, with the speech impediment, um, and that kind of thing might be a little bit harder as far as building that confidence. Um, but it's just the more you do it, um, you know, we, we've kind of talked about my other background in TV, and we'd have interns come in and, and try and um, you know, put together a, a stand up on camera. And the first time they would do it was the most stiff cardboard thing you ever saw. Um, but they do it, you know, five, six, seven times, and they start getting more comfortable. Same thing in aviation. Um, you know, the first time you key that mic, your brain's probably going to freeze up and you're going to start getting words out of order. And that's okay. Um, you know, especially if you're at a, a uncontrolled airport, you know, you key the mic, you freeze up, that's fine. Let go of the mic, recompose yourself. It's okay. And try again. And the more often you do it, the more used to it you get, you'll do just fine. Do you think that maybe some students might be intimidated by the fact that we know communication so well um, and that they're afraid that they might not do it as well as we do? Sure. You know, that could be part of it. It's, you know, knowing that they're kind of new at it and afraid of messing up. Um, but I think a lot of times they'll be surprised by how quickly they pick it up and, and get to be just as good, as good at it as anybody else. Um, you know, it's, it's probably just like a landing, you know, that <laughs> instructor greased that one. There's well, I'm going to bang this next one in and, and that's okay. It's, I think the other thing too, is just learning. It's okay. You know, obviously within reason to make mistakes. Um, and that's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you get better. And, uh, and sooner or later, they're going to be just as good as their instructor at making those communications. So, Sean, I think also correcting that mistake is important. I know you work a lot in live uh, TV. If you make a mistake, you immediately do it and you move on, right? Exactly. Um, you acknowledge it. You obviously correct it. You say, oh, sorry, you know, you cleared me on 3-4 left and I read back 3-4 right. No, obviously, we're talking about 3-4 left. You, you make sure, again, like we were saying earlier, you make sure that the idea you're transmitting to the receiver is the same one that they're getting. And if there's any uh, miscommunication, you make sure you clear that up. But then you just pick right back up and keep going right after it. You don't dwell on it. Um, and I think that's going to be hard for early students who are going to be kicking themselves after they, they make a mistake. Um, but everybody makes them. And uh, as long as you correct it, you learn from it, and you, you learn what not to do the next time, then, you know, that's okay. 
So, Bill, I was wondering, since you have, you know, a real you know, extensive background communicating radio and also air traffic control, how do you help your students uh, move forward and try to get over this mic fright? Uh, you know, one of the best ways to do it, somebody else mentioned it. I, I think it was Tom was um, you know, that liveatc.net is great for another purpose as well in that you will hear bizjet pilots and airline pilots stumbling over their own tongues as well. And so you just say, you know what? Everybody's got a little bit of that, whether it's Mike fright or just not spitting out the phraseology just right. And sometimes that helps you out too. You're not the only one that uh, stumbles over the words or stumbles over the syntax of, um, of the communication. And that can really help you let that feel like you're not, you know, the worst person who's ever keyed up a mic. Um, I, I like doing that as well. Now, certainly don't want to, you know, um, impose or, uh, you know, get people inspired to use poor phraseology, but see, see even the, even the pros mess it up sometimes. So, uh, you know, don't, don't freak out. If you, if you stumble over something, it's not the end of the world. The controller's not going to, you know, vector you off to uh, East Chapipi somewhere because of that. It, it, it happens and take a breath start over and, and, and you can get this. And those are all great points. Tom, I know that we've talked a lot about this as far as Mike Fright in the past and, uh, and helping our students get over this. Uh, what, any other suggestions you might have as far as helping students get over Mike Fright? Yeah, and as Bill was talking, I was I was thinking about the live ATC. You know, I mean, we're good friends with the live ATC and and give them shout outs all the time. And um, the other um, benefit of that is is that on the days that I did go and fly, um, the one of the airports that I flew out of was one of the live ATC airports where I could go back and listen. Every one of those um, conversations are archived, and you can go back and you can listen to yourself and listen to your own communications. So you can see how well you did. Cause a lot of times it'd be like, I'd get done with the flight and I'd learned so much for the day. Um, I was just mush brained getting out of the plane because of all the, all the things that I had to learn for my lesson that day, but I would get home and I would kind of debrief. And that was one of the things I used to do is go back and listen to my own communications and see the places where I actually did good and the places where I needed help and, and needed to listen to it again. So that's another benefit of live ATC is the archives and you can go back and listen to yourself. Yeah, great shout out there to Live ATC. Great tool and uh, a great way to get uh, that information. You can actually pull it down and use it later on on your own computer, which I think is really cool as far as a learning tool for yourself. So that's a great point, Tom. Um, yeah, overcoming my fright is one of those things that happens uh, with years and years of practice. But I will say one thing, um, you know, talk about professional pilots. And I know if you're thrown into a different situation, you know, your phraseology is different depending on where you are and what you're doing. If you're talking to a center, uh, talking to approach, you're doing a, a report over the water, say you're going overseas, uh, you start realizing that position reports and all different type of reports are different depending on where you are as an uncontrolled field, etc. cetera. Uh, so the thing that you have to realize, even as professional pilots, we hear people mess up. And I hear it all the time uh, in environments where it's brand new to them, especially you see brand new airline pilots, 10, 20,000 hours going over the, the water for the first time and, and not understanding how to do any kind of a, a, you know, a position report. So don't feel bad. I mean, it happens to all of us, just like Bill said. You know, we, we all make these big mistakes. Uh, that's, that's for sure. But one of the things I think that's key is, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the common errors we hear on the radio, is that really one of the things you want to do is tell, you know, it's basic, who, where, and what, you know, who you are, where you are, and what you want. Uh, it could be, depending on the facility, it could be, you know, tower, you know, this is system 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 10 north, landing with information, Romeo, and I've told them what I want. Or you could be in an uncontrolled field or a non-towered field and just uh, announcing your position. But just understand that, you know, it's uh, who you are, you know, what, where you are and what you want, you know, that kind of thing. Downwind, base, final, those are the wares, uh, you know, landing on, you know, 2-4, so you repeat runway 2-4. So those are all those kind of things we want to kind of get in the, in the uh, you know, role of doing. So that whole, you know, who, where, and what are the real important ones that you want to look at. Also, the pilot controller glossary, I think, uh, and the syntax is all in there. I think, uh, Bill, you were mentioning that. But I think one of the things that I, I hear often 
uh, on the radio. And I'll start off with the common errors real quick, and then we'll go into a, a little bit about uh, you know not becoming an air traffic controller. Is the fact that I hear all the time, especially from airline pilots, actually, it kind of bugs me. Is they'll say, you know, any traffic in the pattern, you know, please advise. And you're like, oh my god, there's like a flurry of people in the pattern. Haven't you been listening? <laughs> you know, or all of a sudden, all these people come on and start communicating. So that's not really, uh, you know, one of the types of phraseology that we should be using, but there are certain things that we hear often. So uh, I was kind of, Bill, I wanted you to start off with some of the different phraseology because you do a lot of listening and air traffic control. I was wondering, what are some of the things that you hear that are some common errors? Oh, oh you, you got to give, you, you give me the big softball there, right? The thing that every air traffic controller hates, you guys know what it is, with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Everybody, <laughs> Miami Center, November one, two, three, four. With you at eight thousand. Nope, nope, nope. Get rid of that. That uh, that's the surefire um, thing you got to get rid of with uh, controls. Means nothing. Um, it's Miami Center, November one, two, three, four. Level eight thousand or leaving five thousand, climbing to eight thousand. With you, get that out of there. I don't I'm know if I'm trying to bond head. with you, Bill. Oh, you gave me a nice easy <laughs> softball. I'd hit that out of the park. But you mentioned another good point, too, also, is listening as well. You talked about coming into an uncontrolled um, field. Listen to what the other people are saying as well. Um, I remember a, a, a time giving some dual instruction. We were at an uncontrolled field. I think this was up, up north somewhere. And the, uh, the student was actually making his radio calls very, very well, right? Uh, Fitchburg traffic, Cherokee 345, 45 degree downwind, runway 32. 10 seconds later, you'd hear another airplane on the same frequency call on the 45 leg to downwind. And the, the student didn't seem to do anything or respond. And then he got on the downwind leg and he made the call and the same. And now I'm sitting there in the right seat and I can realize what happens because I can look out the right window of the airplane and see that other airplane just almost flying in formation with us. And it never dawned on the student what he was hearing. This was just this other person out there. So after a couple of those, I said, what do you think that other airplane is? And uh, he was kind of surprised to see him out there paralleling us on the downwind leg. So listening is another very, very important communication skill as well. What what are these other people saying? And like you said, you're talking about an uncontrolled uh, field, a non-towered field, I should say. Um, listening can be as uh, as important, if not more important, than uh, than talking. Yeah, it definitely is. And because you, you know, what's, what's actually happening is, uh, both you ver, they verbalize and you have to ask to actually confirm it too. So I think that's really important. Uh, so listening is incredibly important. So you're sitting there saying, you know, there's a plane that's saying he's on a base, but he's really on a downwind. So, um, and verifying is incredibly important too, isn't it, Bill? Absolutely. So, Sean, how about you? Uh, what do you think are, you know, some of the phraseologies, uh, common errors you might hear on the radio? You know, one of the things like, you know, Bill, you were saying is, is make sure students are listening. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to sort of a student get sort of fixated on what's going on and, and not be listening. That's definitely one of those mistakes. And, you know, just little slips of the tongue here and there. I, and every now and then I find myself, I, you know, I just earned my CFI. But I, I remember during the training, I started to catch myself saying left final at one point in the pattern. Um so, you know, there are those little things that you can clean up with your students, um, but uh, I think you guys have covered them pretty well. Um, and I think, Bill, like you were emphasizing, making sure they're listening and being aware of the other aircraft, even though it's not necessarily speaking and, and making sure they've got that right phraseology, um, making sure that they're still have that situational awareness of uh, hearing the other communications on frequency and kind of putting together a visual picture of where everybody else is, is, is definitely one that takes a little bit of time to develop. Sure does. Tom, how about you? Do you have anything that you want to add to that before we move on? Um, yeah, just the, you know, the, one of the phraseologies that, that, um, you know, let, let's call it a pet peeve, you know, and, and the one that got used a lot is, um, a plane that had just landed and the pilot communicates clear of the active, you know, instead of saying clear of runway, whatever they just came off of. Cause I can't tell you how many times I've been at a airport that's got cross runways and it's actually appropriate to land on either one of two runways and somebody says clear the active and I have no idea where they at 
none whatsoever. And it, and it just, it's an old, um, it's an old way of, of communicating, but um, it, it's lacking information. So it, it becomes not helpful. So it was just one of them things that I was thinking of that if there was one that bothered me, that was one for a while. That's a great point. As a matter of fact, if you're listening right now and you have one that you is a pit pee for you, write us. Go to the contact page at Stuck Mike Avcast and send us a message. Uh, many ways to do that. Love to hear from you as far as uh, what are some of the things that you hear on the radio. I know there's so many things that we could say. And, and you know, I, I forgot who brought up the point. Yeah, Bill brought up the point of, you know, there's some really experienced pilots out there that really aren't so good on the radio and uh, they've gotten in bad habits and that's stuck throughout their careers. Uh, so that that's one of the things you don't want to do. You want to make sure you're as professional as possible on the radio. Also really important. Don't become that air traffic controller. Since Sean's one of our newest CFIs, he could probably recite to us the, the law of primacy, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the first time that you learn to do something that's going to stick with you. Right. What's learned first is learned best. So, and, and, did, and did you just say with you, Sean? You said <laughs> with you. <laughs> I love it. True. <laughs> Seriously, that's true. But I, I will never say it in the cockpit. Only here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Bill. It, it really is tough for. I love saying that to controllers. I said, "Hey, do you want do you want me to go with you?" And I just always try to bring that up. It just pisses him off. Just, I'll, I'll follow it up with Fish Finder, and we'll. we'll oh, even better! Tally ho, tally ho! Yeah. <laughs> so there are some of the there's some of the examples of what we hear that are is in common phraseology. You know, one of the things I think that's that's really important though, like I said, is don't become that air traffic controller either. You know, don't try to control the other people in the pattern, etc. And and I think we've kind of talked about that. Um, but one aspect and let's get to some more esoteric unless bill was there anything else you wanted to add as far as not becoming an air traffic controller i know i think we already talked about that um no i I got nothing okay and so one thing i do want to ask you bill is that you have a little bit of experience with drones and as a matter of fact my first drone flight was with bill english it was kind of fun almost uh smacked into my car <laughs> and uh, I, I was going to, but but one of the things we, I did do with you, and that's, that was my lead-in, is is the fact that we we actually flew the drone uh, with the aids of the technology and without, and uh, it was quite exciting there. But one, I really, I know there's a lot of folks out there listening and have their 107. Why is it important to understand communications, even in the drone world? Um, yeah, good point. So most of your your drone pilots are, uh, for the most part, not talking on the radio. They they don't they don't have a radio. They don't have the um, the authority to do that, um, especially the one hundred sevens. But uh, if they are operating around a class golf airport, a non towered airport, that is completely legal. Uh, a part one hundred seven drone operation could be. Uh, operating very close to a non-towered airport or actually even to a towered airport using the the Lance uh, controlled airspace authorization process and all. Uh, Many of them will be monitoring a radio or a scanner to uh, stay aware of what's going on with the manned aircraft in the area. So for those of you who are flying the manned aircraft as well, your proper phraseology is also going to help those guys so that they understand how to stay out of your way. If you're making proper position reports in the the traffic pattern at the right points, um, you know, not, uh, not being fuzzy about where you are and um, they're going to have a better ability to know where you are. Are Are you going to come into their area or not? Because a lot of the part 107 drone pilots, even the, even the professional ones, we're not, you know, we're not talking about weekend hobbyists. I'm talking about, professional operation doing a construction site survey or something like that they're probably not pilots they only have a, a relatively minimal uh, knowledge of the airspace it's in their tests they're trained on it what a traffic pattern is uh, what runways are the compass directions and things like that but uh, slang phraseology and sloppy phraseology they're not going to understand so um, you're helping them stay out of your way by using proper phraseology and and position reports Good point. And they can do that by also practicing the same ways. And we do as pilots, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, but drones have become a really key 
you know, part of our lives and it's important for us pilots to understand them and, and they understand us. And that's also through ver- verbal communication, but there's also some other things like nonverbal communication that we, uh, that we look towards and hear there's light gun signals. Let's not forget those. There's many other ways to communicate. Uh, you know, we're talking about aviation communication in general, uh, radios, et cetera, but you know, talking over the radio, but we do actually see people and we can wave at people, even being communication as far as guiding aircraft in, learn all those type of things, all the, all the different guidance as far as uh, what that, what's the ground control doing? How are they, what are they telling you when they cross those sticks? What does that mean? That's communications. Uh, So there are some other nonverbal communications and there's also things in the airplane and we're coming up on that someday where we don't have to communicate at all. And it's through, you know, the new uh, next gen, you know, with ADS-B and ADS-C, you know, things like where we can actually text message uh, different uh, commands. And as a matter of fact, at the airline, we do that, uh, where they actually send us a text message and we confirm it and we comply with it. And we may just once communicate uh, when we go over the water and four hours later, now we're talking to somebody on, on the radio and in between is just text messaging. And I'm really excited about that. And I'll tell you why. So a lot of people ask me, you know, are we able to fly uh, folks that are deaf? And, uh, you know, if you've heard me on the last past podcasts, I talk about the fact that I'm involved with the Deaf Pilots Association, have been in the past, and I've had students that are deaf, and they communicate uh, both uh, primarily non-verbally. There is a a verbal type of communication they can do, amazingly enough, and uh, that's through a teletype, etc., and then that teletype is read back to me when I make a phone call to uh, one of the deaf pilots that I work with, and the, the neat thing is it's out there, and you could actually find out more about the you know the deaf pilots association and and what you can do there as far as getting involved and becoming a member and the possibility so i'd really highly recommend you trying that out and uh, checking out the deaf pilots association at some point and let's move on to the picks of the week uh first of all my pick of the week is uh the fa safety briefing magazine you can actually check out the link there uh it's really cool uh the may june edition was actually about aviation communication that spurred on they thought about doing this really Really easy to find that really easy to download it's a pdf file and you can sign up for it and get it delivered directly to you so let's see tom what is your pick of the week yeah so i actually get off easy here because uh when we when i got the topic for this uh i picked my pick of the week then and i've actually got a chance to discuss it already which is uh pilot edge the the, the website that i was discussing about um for practicing um uh, with ATC communications, like I said, um, it's it's a paid for kind of service, but it'll work with uh, many different kinds of uh, flight simulators that you have out there, the desktop kinds, and you can uh, hook in with this thing, and it's a great way to practice. Um, it, you're probably not going to be hooked into this thing for years on end, but um, you know, long enough to um, get out there and and um, practice in a controlled environment in in real world situations so uh yeah that was my pick of the week was pilot edge awesome thanks tom i appreciate that and uh moving on to sean sean what is your pick of the week uh, my pick this week is going to be a book called the savvy flight instructor um it's uh, as a new flight instructor, it's all about kind of the things that uh, that they don't hit on the check ride, not only the FARs, but more about how to successfully uh, market yourself as a new CFI, um, how to sort of uh, learn how to deal with all the different personalities that you'll come across as a flight instructor and um, kind of understand that uh, certain things that, that y- certain ways that you may see things, your clients might not, things like that. Um, I've been reading through it. I'm just about done with it. And it's been really helpful in, in helping me get some ideas as far as uh, how to go forward as a new CFI. Um, looks like it's on, you know, uh, Amazon, uh, all the pilot shop websites, that kind of thing. And it's, uh, it's really good so far. I'm happy with it. Great resource. Thanks so much for that. And uh, if you're a new CFI or a CFI has been working for many years, it's a great resource, no matter how many years you've been doing this. So thanks so much, Sean. We'll have links in the show notes. Also, Bill, what is your pick of the week? 
Oh, my pick of the week. We talked about today with our little adventure down to Punta Gorda, Florida, and that's the Florida International Air Show, um, a Florida air show that a lot of people probably haven't heard of, but it's it's really great. Um, unfortunately, this year, with all the disruption, it's been postponed, but they promise to be back and better than ever next year. You know, our... Um, uh, our man Matt down there this works with the podcast is now the director of that air show. I went to that two years ago, and it's uh, it's definitely a great uh, unsung treasure. Florida International Air Show, um, also known as Wings Over Charlotte Harbor at uh, Punta Gorda, Florida, coming up not this fall, unfortunately, but next year. And they give a lot to charities and raise so much money for the local organizations. So thanks so much for mentioning them, Bill. I really appreciate it. We had a blast down there. Just some wonderful people at Punta Gorda. Yeah, what a great airport. Nice yeah, people. super yeah. duper nice people. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode and learning something about flying like we all have here. And uh, this is the podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. And if you have questions, comments, uh, suggestions, please go to the comment page on the contact page, excuse me, at stuckmikeavcast.com and leave us a message. There's many ways to do that. We really appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production. Thank you.